Queer Business Success, the podcast for LGBTQIA business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, caregivers, and the allies who love our community. We tell the stories of why our businesses were formed, who we serve, our challenges and successes, and we offer sound advice to our fellow queer entrepreneurs. Our hope is to inspire, enlighten, and highlight the services that our LGBTQIA businesses and allies offer. If we can do this, so can you. We believe that we need more LGBTQIA business owners, not only for our community, but for a better world. Here's our host, Anne-Marie Zanza. I'm so excited to welcome to the show today, Steph Annie. Steph Annie's, whose pronouns are she, her, is the founder of Insightful Annie. As a trauma-informed safe space facilitator, Steph Annie helps individuals decondition from social and trauma programming to support in the development of their sense of self and self and, and agency while honing their critical thinking and effective communication skills. This helps cultivate safe, healthy, loving, and collaborative relationships across all aspects of their life. Steph Annie, welcome to the show. It's nice to have you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> so you identify as queer. So tell me a little bit about your queer story. <laughs> mm. Oh, my goodness. Um, I I appreciate this, uh, this invitation. I don't know if I've ever really shared it, to be honest with you. Um, growing up um, in a very uh, cis heteronormative, like conditioning in my home, um, I really was I just I remember being like this advocate when um, like Massachusetts was uh, looking to um, allow for gay you know marriage mm-hmm. and that being a point of contention in my school I think I was in like seventh or eighth grade and not really understanding why that was an issue um, for folks and why they had this opinion on it um, but still kind of believing myself to be you know heterosexual and it wasn't until a couple of years ago when um, I heard the term pansexual and understanding like oh we're tra- you know that 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 that's really um a human who's attracted to um like energy a person's soul who a person is and um I say with respect to their gender identity like um because that's a part of who they are um but really it's about who that person is as a whole and um I was just like I just had this aha moment. I was like, that's, that's me. me. <laughs> like, I get it. There's, there's, there's a term for it that exists. I'm here. Like that just resonated so deeply that I have just been um, like just processing and owning that. Um, I um, haven't been actively dating um, actually for the past few years, but um, just really appreciating like, oh, this really resonates. Like this makes sense. So, so most of my dating history has been very um, cis-heteronormative appearing. Um, and so learning how to navigate that um, because as a person who has that kind of history that looks very heteronormative and then um, not really, like haven't really actively dated, it's a very interesting um, deconditioning um, of releasing narratives of what it's supposed to look like, what my dating history is supposed to look like, or, you know, um, expect you know these perceived societal expectations but well, yeah, um, and perceived expectations in the lgbtq community let's not forget about that because yeah. there i think that is really really shifting i have even i came out in 2016 mm-hmm. and even since i've come out um i have seen a shift in it mm-hmm. where it's funny like there was this narrative that you know women that 
had been with men were confused or were, and I identify as lesbian, were confused or they were, uh, they were just like uh, experimenting and all that stuff like that. And the narrative has really changed in the last eight years where I have found the lesbian community to be like, my God, there's so many women coming out later in life. And like, and, and it really has been actually a phenom- phenomenon and post pandemic. It has been a real phenomenon because I think what has happened, we had a couple of years to just sit and think. And sometimes people realize truths about themselves that they didn't realize prior to the pandemic. And so I mm-hmm. think that's why there's been such an uptick of people like saying, wait a minute, I don't think I, I start with my clients. I think I may not be straight. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think I may not be straight. So it sounds like you've had a little bit of a, that journey yourself as well, you know, as, and I have a question to ask because just because I've had a couple people on the show that have talked about that in the last several days, when you had that aha moment, what did it feel like inside? For me, I would describe it almost as like this um, sunburst in my heart, like in my heart chakra, just like, oh, wow, like just a freedom um, uh, that just it was just really um, expansive and very like heartwarming and um, like just it was just this miraculous. I don't, I'm like, I'm trying to articulate well, and I'm I like, wanna, ooh, I want it, to it's often a very euphoric moment. Mm. you find like so for me it was reading an Oprah Winfrey article back in 2006 in their her magazine in which they talked about the fluidity of women's sexuality and it really talked about married women who now were with women and I remember being like like it's possible like you can leave a, a hetero marriage and and end up being with somebody you know being with somebody who is more I, a gender who is more compatible with your emotional, spiritual, physical, and intellectual needs. And for me, that's being with a woman. And so it was like such an aha moment. And the person I had on yesterday, uh, they identify as non-binary. And like the first time they heard that word, they were like, it was like this, like the skies open up and it's (laughs) like the angels start singing, you know, because I think it's, I think what's happens is that we um, all of a sudden realize our authentic identity. I think mm-hmm. that's what happens, you know, mm-hmm. where we are most called to be by how we were created to be, not how we were told to be. And that's mm-hmm. when those moments happen. So tell me, how did you get into the work that you're doing now? Ooh, my own healing journey. Um, honestly, um, I grew up in a, a very uh, dysfunctional home, um, and it was it was so dysfunctional. My 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 experience growing up at, uh, with childhood traumas actually uh, developed CPTSD, complex post traumatic stress, and um, I didn't know it at the time, of course. Um, and um, when I was about twenty five, I was like invited to like reflect and say I had a friend who like was like telling me. I was telling her a story about what was going on in my household. And she was like, well, hun, that's emotional abuse. And I just kind of had this, like, like it was, I heard a pin drop. It's like, I watched a pin drop. I was just like confused. I was like, huh? I was like, this is just normal. And uh, that started my journey of healing um, and be- like developing self-awareness. And as I did that, um, there was this moment where I started to be able to connect dots of, um, like of the root. I'm a, I'm very much about the root cause of things. Like, let's get to the root. Let's just pull it out by the root and like be done with it, um, to give space for what it actually is. And, um, 
And uh, it was like, I really want to do this. And actually, um, you know, I decided to create, um, you know, and invite my, co- like invite clients in, in 2019. Um, and then in 2020, I um, went to a trauma-informed um, for families, like um, con- continuing education for um, anyone with a psychology degree. And um, I, what I learned was the program that I had created for my coaching clients, it was literally this class, but this class was the science behind like my, my program. And I was like, this is, this is what I'm doing. Like, this is Mm -hmm. what I know. This is what I love. And this fills my heart. So that's how I got started. (laughs) So what is the name of your program? Uh, Love in Abundance. So let's talk about that. I thought it was Annie something you said. It was, what was it? It was uh, Insightful Annie. So, oh, so, so my program is Love and Abundance. I apologize. Uh, my company is uh, Insightful Annie. Okay. So first of all, tell me about your company. Yeah. Um, it's really a focus. It's trauma-informed safe space. So really its focus is to help, um, as you know, you explained in the bio, um, societal deconditioning and trauma program, like undoing that trauma programming. And, uh, I really believe that every single person, um, is enduring, um, both, um, at different levels. Um, and of course there's an intersectionality of layers of how that impacts a person. Um, but what I do is by holding safe space, and this is the key for, for healing really in my perspective is safe space and safe space is, is really a person who can, um, be neutral, be objective. And I'm not putting or projecting my perspective or my, my assumptions, my experience onto a person. It's actually holding space for that person to work through and validating, you know, their experience, hearing them and then deriving when they're ready for any feedback or, um, advice, you know, coaching as it were, um, really being able to come from a space of wisdom and addressing the root and asking questions. So coming from a space of curiosity, so that way the healing is collaborative. I'm not, I'm not healing anyone. I'm just holding a space for someone to heal themselves really. Um, In the world that I come from, that's called presence. It's the same thing. You know, you just provide presence for people. And then also too, you end up providing, you know, using the narrative they told you to be able to provide healing using their own narrative because really true healing only comes when it comes from ourselves. You know, you know, when we say something like, you know, you and I talking about finding the word pansexual or finding, you know, that's when the healing begins, when we're able to, where it comes from the depths of our heart chakra and are able to put it out into the world. So typically when you say trauma, now I believe that all of us have had some sort of trauma. And I think I heard you say that there and there's levels of it, but trauma is trauma. Mm -hmm. And so tell me typically what, what type of traumas have your clients experienced? Yeah. Um, for the most part, it's very consistent. Um, it falls into emotional abuse, Mm -hmm. sexual abuse or sexual trauma. And, um, verbal abuse um and which is very similar quite you know quite aligned with uh um in alignment with uh emotional abuse it's very similar um and um just and i i would actually venture to say it's also like um societal trauma so that's like the narratives and um uh the harmful narratives that are just passed on in the conditioning um and that's its own like i would say bucket of trauma 
Um, you know, and so those are like the kind of overall. And then, of course, there is really um, trauma around sexuality. Um, in the minimization, there's religious trauma. Um, uh, there's also, you know, there's not that I've really spoken to it in in with my clients, but I've definitely like heard it as it as an underlying tone um, of consistency financial abuse. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, then we don't, um, yeah, we don't talk about that too much, but there mm -hmm. is financial trauma in which I would assume for when you're a child, when there's a lot of money instability in your home, is that what you're talking about? Um, that does happen. Like, and then of course there's with couples where there's money stuff that's held over the person and stuff like that. Right. That yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And and that's like, it's happened. I've experienced, um, I've experienced it personally. And then I've also like experienced like, you know, like indirectly right through these conversations with my clients where it's, you know, family has like financially abused, you know, um, or even themselves, like, um, they, they had such, they developed such an unhealthy relationship with money that they were financially abusing themselves. Um, and then also, um, through, you know, religion, their, their religious structures, the financial abuse that they've endured. Um, I mean, it, it, it goes deep with different structures and like, you know, educational systems. I mean, it's, there's a whole unwinding there. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't and, think it's spoken about. Well, and also too, like most people haven't only suffered one kind of trauma, you know, people often su suffer, um, endure mm -hmm. because, uh, endure lots of different traumas. Some are bigger than others, but there's a lot of trauma that happens to people. Do you work with just women exclusively or do you work with men and women? I work with all people. I, oh, yeah. Regardless. People. Okay. All right. Yep. So can you give me some signs that someone might, someone who's listening right now, that that they may be suffering from trauma a little bit, but or, or a lot of it, but are not really aware of it? What are some signs that someone is dealing or struggling with trauma? I think a big one is, you know, chronic bouts of sadness or grief or anger. Um, you know, you could, you know, almost, you know, diagnose that as uh, depression, but really someone who's experiencing these like se severe mood swings of just deep, deep emotions, um, chronically, um, someone who feels like they're just really frustrated in their 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 relationships, their intimate relationships, not just their romantic, but maybe it's their family, maybe it's even their coworkers. Like a lot of folks spend 40 hours a week, you know, in a job and they're just, they don't feel heard. They don't feel seen um, and they feel small. Um, these are folks who just don't know how to, um, I would say, get off the hamster wheel of uh, sadness and anger and grief. Um, and they just don't, and they're, they're struggling to maybe identify what that is. And they're just really kind of going day by day and finding distraction mechanisms to be able to allow them to uh, survive. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like if, if somebody is really struggling with continued bouts where it's so almost cyclical of anger mm -hmm. and depression, it may be wise to check it out with somebody who may have, who has experience with trauma. And is able to address that trauma. Mm -hmm. So, what is the biggest challenge challenges with your business? I would say uh, energy. Uh, I, I manage my time by energy. It's an energy management, um, and so um, making sure that I am um, 
energetically clear and ready to serve whenever I have a client um, or I meet with folks. And then um, also visibility, to be honest with you, uh, very new to the social media. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> an animal, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> so what would you consider to be your biggest successes? Gosh, I would say the transformations that I've witnessed in my, in in my clients, you know, the, the moment that you like that a light bulb goes on and they're just like, yeah, that's, that's one. And then actually seeing them take that and integrate it and implement like the next step, right? Like there's, there's the acknowledgement of, Oh, you know, maybe, maybe it's, I can communicate a boundary and this is the boundary or something. Um, but then there's actually saying, Hey, I was really, you know, uncomfortable and my voice shook, but I actually said I needed space and I stood my ground and it. I was given space, you know, um, and to be able to hear those success stories, you know, um, is just incredible. So your background is in psychology, then. You, you're like, you went to college and had a psychology degree, did you say? I thought you said that. Nope, nope. I went to a trauma, so you did hear me say, mention psychology, so I went to a trauma-informed uh, institute for continuing education that um, specifically, I believe the other 20 uh, students in the room that were doing continuing education have a psychology degree. Um, but my myself, uh, my background for what I do is literally lived experience mm-hmm. um, and then continuing to find the right educational courses um, that really speak to uh, the heart of what I do so I can continue to grow. I also believe like that coaches that effective coaches often have had the lived experience. I think that's with with a lot of different programs and there's a lot of helpful programs out there. Some are better than others, but I often find some of the best coaches are the people that have had the lived experience because I think it's really important. You know, it's like you can't coach a sports team if you haven't played the sport. 100%. I say that like if you haven't have like I mean yes you can learn it and stuff like that but the best coaches have often been the players in the team they understand the psychology of the sport sometimes better I mean yeah parents can teach you know coach a soccer game team if they've never played soccer of course people can coach coach things if they've never played it but um, being someone who has played a sport or have had an experience in life are often the people that are the best coaches of what they do, you know, mm-hmm. because they they just, they've lived it. So they understand. Mm-hmm. And I love the modality of coaching because although we do talk about what's happened in the past, it's really about moving in, moving forward and giving strategic plans on how to get from A to B. And it sounds like you've been very successful at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really see what I do, um, you know, as this like safe space facilitator and a coach is um, my goal in life is to be a living embodiment of what's possible, um, you know, and to be able to, you know, show up in that way and reflect that to others. So I really, I completely concur. I've had therapists that didn't necessarily understand. um, And so they did, they couldn't help me. You know, they had these preconceived notions or textbook definitions or what have you, and it wasn't supportive. And I really needed the support, you know? Well, yeah. And I find that that sometimes, so in the queer community, especially therapy often fails at 
really fails the queer community. And I have found with the later in life community, like they get told all kinds of things, like when they start to explore their sexuality, like it's a phase and all those things. And I find that to be so incredibly offensive. The best therapists know when they're out of their depth and they mm. say, you know, you really need to find somebody. I can support you on this, this, and this, but you really need to find somebody. And I have, you know, um, and a lot of also a lot of therapists, the best therapists also understand the coaching model and don't and don't poo poo it. You know, they understand that coaches can be really effective for people as well. I have heard so many times from my own clients who continue to have a therapist. They're like, they always say to me, oh, my therapist is so glad I have my gay coach. <laughs> so what would be your one piece of advice who is someone, I would love to hear your piece of advice who is like, hey, wait a minute. I have a lot of lived experience in this area. I want to do something that Stephanie is doing. Stephanie is doing. What would you, what would your one piece of advice be? I am a huge advocate of trauma-informed everything, trauma-informed business. Um, I would, I, I really believe that, uh, like as you, as we just as you said it, um, that and and I concur is that like everybody's experienced trauma in some you know form or facet, and and often multiple. So so for me, I really feel that um, becoming educated in a trauma-informed approach. Um, is the best way to become a safe space um, and to be able to reach, you know, um, you know, your loved ones and also, you know, any clients. And that would be the first step. That's my first recommendation always um, mm -hmm. is um, find a trauma-informed, you know, course. And, and trauma-informed approaches are different, um, you know, but they, but they really are um, like, they are either harm mitigation or harm reduction. Um, I'm an advocate of harm reduction um, because that's like, what's the ultimate goal? Um, but getting clear, the the second piece of advice would be getting clear on, on who is it that you'd like to serve and also, um, and what's the value that you can bring. So getting really clear on that active service. Mm -hmm. um, and also too, I find that as a coach, as I've gone along is that I like, as you start coaching, sometimes you realize what you need. Like mm. the best coach, but the best coaches keep, like, I don't think you need to keep, for me, it's always been about the business of coaching, mm -hmm. not the, like I had the skills to do the coaching. That wasn't the problem. The pro problem for me was visibility and mm -hmm. also with the business of coaching. So like finding mentors and find sometimes mm -hmm. other coaches will teach you those things, but like being humble enough to know what you don't know and like finding the resources. And sometimes those resources can be absolutely free. Mm -hmm. um, I personally like to have the one-on-one -on -one experience with people and talk to them and like have somebody guide me. Um, that is what I need, but sometimes people don't need that. Some people can like research things and be absolutely fine with finding the information they need. So if you are queer, as a queer person, mm -hmm. what, what would be your piece of advice for someone who's queer and going into this, into this line of work? My piece of advice would be to uh, trust yourself, um, to trust yourself and and pursue it. You know, um, as you said, you know, like do the research, take the steps, but ultimately it comes down to saying, you know, I know like it's, 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 a, I would liken it almost similarly to the aha moment of discovery that, you know, I am queer, right? Like <laughs> it's, I, I know I want to do this. Okay, great. Let's go out and do it, you know, and just yeah. trusting that and following that instinct. 
Yeah, trusting that inner voice, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, how can people find you? Instagram, uh, Insightful Annie. No spaces or marks um, at all. Um, that is the best way to find me and um, connect with me. All right, great. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. You've been listening to Queer Business Success, the podcast that highlights LGBTQIA plus businesses. New episodes are published regularly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other listening platforms. Wherever you're listening, take a moment to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you an entrepreneur who's also queer? Want to share some of your wisdom and experience with the rest of us? We'd love to have you on the show. Just click the link in the show notes to apply to be a guest. Until next time, queer friends and allies. Keep taking care of business.